Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I'm so glad that you are here. In this podcast, I want to talk about a very practical message for dads, for me, for you fathers out there. You have children, and I want to talk about how to rear them up in such a way to help them to grow in their relationship with God the Father. And so I've I've titled this podcast and the article on our website, Speaking to the Practical Role of Fathers with Children. Now, again, you can read everything that I'm going to share with you. It is 2,000-plus words. And if you want to do a deep dive into this podcast, into this article, you're welcome to do that. I have over 20 links embedded here. I'm talking about 40,000 plus words, and you could spend weeks studying this, and I would be thrilled if you took that upon yourself, especially if you want to learn how to do parenting well as a father. This one resource is the equivalent of a book. And in this article, I have an infographic. I also have a 10-minute video that will help unpack part of what I'm going to share with you. And so here it is. It's all free And I would love for you to take advantage of it and also share it with others. For those of you who do discipleship care, would you please do that as well? And you can use this as a a thorough and lengthy uh, homework assignment for those within your care. Again, the title of it is Speaking to the Practical Role of Fathers with Children. Having two genders is is not just a neat way to think about the human family. It's a great way to think about the human family, and and having two genders is a problem in our culture today, but the truth is there are two genders, and there are only two genders, and there are specific roles for each one of them, and I'm going to pull one of those roles apart today and speak to the male genders, fathers specifically. There are functional and irreplaceable roles for both the mother and the father. And when it comes to parenting, the dad and mom, have they do have unique purposes. There's a reason for this. There's a design for this. There's a designer behind this. His name is God, and he gave us a male and a female, and he put them together and, and put them over the home, and they have unique responsibilities in order to do this in order to parent well. But in this podcast, I'm addressing the critical need for fathers to step into the responsibility of rearing their boys and girls in the way that only they can. This job is for him, and the Lord has gifted him to do it well. Now, I am doing this podcast from a human responsibility perspective, and so we're bringing it down to the terrestrial earthly level, and I'm only talking about a person's responsibility. I'm not talking about the grace of God. I realize that God can superintend over all of this, and and he can make things straight that we make crooked. We all understand that, but I just want to speak specifically to our responsibility, human responsibility, as dads to parent our children well. I am well aware that grace is there. There's two There's two places where people could go as far as grace. Well, there's three places, actually. In one ditch, 
where a person could go regarding grace is they could presume against grace and say, well, it doesn't matter. I can do what I want to because God's grace is sufficient and he'll fix all this. You don't want to take God's grace for granted. And then in the other ditch, there is there is the person who forgets about God's grace because they think about how they messed up as parents, and then they they just realize that what they did is greater than God's grace, and he can't fix this. Well, you're wrong, too. That would be a mistake as well. And then there is a third place where grace works, and it does cover our mountain of sins, and, and God's grace can do remarkable and, and wonderful things, and you cooperate with God. This is the middle ground. You cooperate with God as you trust Him all along the way. Now, those just let that be overarching of what I'm going to say here, and now let's bring it back down to our terrestrial level, and I want to talk about exclusively, I want to talk about uh, the Father's responsibility and caring for their, for their children, all right? So there are two most essential time frames in a child's life. Those two time frames are from birth to two years of age, and then from 10 to 12 years of age. Now, the whole spectrum is, the whole continuum is important, but you'll see these two highlighted areas on the continuum. The first two years and the second window is the teenage, as they're going into the teenage years, and that's between between 10 and 12 years of age. These windows, these seasons are approximate. They're not exactly. They're not cemented. The first window of time is the child's early developmental years. The second window is the child's transitioning from kid to adult as they enter into what people would call the teenage years. During the first two years, the child receives vital training that teaches him or her how to depend on their parents along with adapting to being obedient as they learn obedience and other life lessons. And, of course, they are changing in so many other ways, in non-organic ways. Uh, They're they're changing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, as well as physically, organically. And then during the second window, the young adult learns how to depend upon the Lord more. The teenager is transitioning toward that eventual independence from the family. Both developmental periods need careful, skillful, and wise parenting. During the first stage, the mom is more hands-on, obviously, as she nurtures and bonds and provides practical care. The dad is there. He didn't leave. He's not on some kind of hiatus. He is on the job in the picture during this season. But the mom has the most significant impact in those first two years, generally speaking. The father plays a more critical role during the second transitional window as the kid is giving up his kid card and he's becoming a young adult. In my article, A Dad is a Powerful Picture of God the Father to His Child, I made a case for how the father will have the most significant impact on a child's life during this second teenage season, even more than the mother. And so in the first seasonal window, you have 1A, 1B, where the mother is probably 1A and the dad is 1B. But in this second window, dad is 1A and mom must be 1B. 
I'm speaking specifically in this second window how the son or the daughter learns how to relate to God as a father. Even as he leads through the 10 to 12-year-old window, his impact on the child is already built into them. The teenage years only reveal, as, a, as this kid goes into this second seasonal window, it only reveals what, they have, what the kid has already processed and applied as far as the effect of the father's leadership on the child, whether that leadership was excellent or poor. The reason this second developmental window is so crucial is that this season in a child's life is when he is changing. As I said earlier, he's given up his kid card. He's going from kid to adult. Let me give you a few examples of the dramatic shifts from one phase to the next in this second window. They're changing physically, too. They are changing mentally. They're changing spiritually. Four, they are separating from their parents Five, they are developing their unique relationships, and they are building out their unique worldviews. And you can add to this list. Everything is in flux. Everything is up in the air, which is part of the reason there is such a high level of self-consciousness with teens. Middle school is the breeding ground for the fear of man, or what some people call insecurity, peer pressure, codependency. In the Old Testament, boys became men at the age of 12. This season represents new physical and spiritual awareness in a child's life. Our culture, for the most part, has not bought into this notion, which is why we have teenagers. Before World War II, most children were apt to go from boys to men without becoming a modern teenager. My grandmother, who was born in 1907, I think, she was perplexed by the modern teenager and their accompanying irresponsibility. She's talking about me and my, my brothers. She didn't understand the spoiling and the coddling which came with the lowering of expectations. She believed the creation of the teenage window was a mistake. From her perspective, giving them video games, technology, binge TV options, serial dating to appease them was a colossal miscalculation of judgment. I am now living on the other end of this, and I am looking through her eyes, and I, I agree. The average teen today has no clue how to become a man or a woman. The typical parenting methodology enables this cluelessness by filling the teen's calendar with what they want to do. Then the parents send them to college, only to be surprised when they come back ill-equipped to live well in God's world. The essential issue is that the child had nobody to lead him into adulthood. Dads and moms were too busy, too preoccupied, while the children were left to figure out things, which usually included peer input. Peer input at this level is a bad idea. The child's insecurity and lack of wisdom become the impetus to learn from the most persuasive authorities in their lives, which are not the parents. You have an insecure child. Who are the most persuasive authorities if the parents haven't been connecting, relating, and doing well with the children. Well, in today's culture, it would be social media platforms. They become the mentors. 
Without the loving and navigating arm of a father, a child is at the mercy of their chosen peer group or social media platform. How a dad prepares his child for this transitional window from kid to adult could make all the difference. But the shaping influences of a passive dad, a driving dad, a critical dad, an angry dad, reduces the chance of the child having a deep passion for God the Father. It's the Father who lays down a loving, encouraging, and theological framework that will keep the child from tempting cultural expectations. And though the mother is assisting, and though she is supplementing with their co-parenting methodology, the primary biblical authority in the home is the father. Archaic to many, I realize it, on the wrong side of history, I understand, but the dad sets the tone, the dad cultivates the environment for leadership development. Now, a father can give many things to his children, but there are two that are more vital than the others. And I'm talking about two for the boy and then two different things for the girl. And I know many dads would be thinking now, wow, yeah, there's so many things that I need to do. I need a list. I need a book. Not really. I want to I bring it down to two things that really form the buckets, the bucket for the boy and the bucket for the girl. And if you build the buckets this way, you will have done a good job. For a teenage boy, he, the two things that he needs is he needs his dad's affirmation for being a male, for being a boy, for being a young man, and he needs his directive encouragement for his life choices. I say directive encouragement because as the dad observes his boy, he realizes what his son's gifts are, and he wants to encourage him as he trains him up in the way that he should go. And so it's directive encouragement as the boy is stepping out into life. So he's being affirmed as a male, as a boy, as a young man, and he's receiving encouragement, affirmation and encouragement is what I'm talking about. For the young lady, because she's different, she was made differently by God, her desires are different, and the two things that she wants, she wants her father's love, she wants to be loved well by her father, and she also wants a protective environment. She wants security. And so you could say the two vital things for her are love and security, and you want to build that into her. Now, generally speaking, all men and women want these things from their dads. These desires are God-given, and they are unique to the genders. The Lord made them male and female, and he uploaded the sexes with a unique set of specific, and I'm talking about biblical, desires. Adam is a man, a young boy who doesn't know who he is, doesn't know his identity. He wants to be affirmed as a man because God made him that way. You don't leave it up to the culture or social media, or the internet to tell him who he is, and they become his mentors, you affirm him as a man. God made Eve for Adam. 
she is up under Adam and submitted to Adam, and she follows him, and that's the relationship of, of the marriage of a husband and a wife. So naturally, what she would want is, is she would want something different than the boy, and those two things are she wants to be loved and she wants to be protected. Now, up until this transitional time to adulthood, Children fly under the radar in a parent's home. Their world is small, and the demands and expectations of the big bad culture are a few years away. But as maturing and independence begin to, begin to take over them, the reality of taking flight heightens. Their chronological clocks usher them into the infant stage of adulthood. Dads are the de facto, the only fathers in their lives. And the reason these things are crucial is because of the child's acute self-awareness, which is always accompanied by insecurity. And so the children need a stabilizing leader in their life. This idea of self-awareness and insecurity is the teenage condition. And so they need, for this condition, they need a, a biblical foundation. They need the dad working in their lives. It is so significant. If the father is properly leading the child, appropriate to the age of the child, he's leading all along, and as he's appropriately leading the child, his influence will be an imitation of God the Father. A child is not able to develop a deep and mature relationship with God as a father. There are obvious spiritual and psychological limitations which fit into the bucket of immaturity. Children are immature, as you know. And so dad does become the de facto father, the stand-in until the child matures. He's the connector or the coupler between the child and God. And so he stands in until the child matures into a full-blown and deep relationship with God, who is his most significant father, God the Father. Of course, when the dad blows it with the child, which he will, that's okay. We have a backup plan. Part of his leadership development will be teaching the kid about repentance. One of the best gifts you could ever give a child is to walk them through repentance by your personal example. But if he is not the correct biblical influence, if he is not the things that I am saying here, the child would be tentative about developing a relationship with God as an adult. It will cause problems. You see, an insufficient imitation of God as a father will leave the child vulnerable and insecure. He or, or she will be motivated to find a security blanket. A, a boy will look for affirmation and encouragement from other places. A girl will look for love and security from other places. Let me give you a few examples of how uh, teenagers can take actually good things and and use them in an idolatrous way because of this void that is in their lives because dad has not been a, a good imitation of God the Father. For example, a child with an intellectual acumen, a smart kid, will, will use academia as a way to feel affirmation. 
a relational child. They have a, a strength, a God-given gift for building relationships. They will use their network of friends, and that will be as good as that is, as good as that can be. It can be used in an idolatrous way because they're using it to feel love or, or to feel affirmation. A child with athletic ability will find affirmation on the basketball floor. A child with a strong work ethic will find affirmation through work. There's many more ways that we can take our strengths and our gifts and use them in an idolatrous way because of this void within our lives. But a child with a loving, affirming, encouraging, supporting, teaching, motivating, hugging, communicative dad will not, not, will not likely use his gifts that God has given him to fill sinful cravings for attention. Let me illustrate a man's desire for affirmation and encouragement. You know this illustration so very well. When an adult man meets another adult man, one of the first things that they ask is, what do you do? It's a very normal question, and there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, by the way. The query, what do you do, is an identity-based question. This is who I am. I'm a man. This is what I do. A man connects his identity to how he thinks about himself and relates to his world. Usually it's the job that he does. Again, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with identifying with your work. God made Adam to work. The counter of this is to be a failure, to not be able to provide for your family. That is decimating to a man's identity and how he thinks about himself. But girls are no different, except the portals through which the temptation comes. I mean, just like the boy, the dad is the de facto father, and if he has done his job well, he will not set her up to crave attention from her false lovers because she wants someone to love and protect her. And so she's not finding her identity wrapped up in her work per se, but she wants attention through how she looks. She wants somebody to love her. She wants to feel safe. Her daddy, if he has done well, he has provided loving and protective care. Now, if dad was a jerk, the girl might be vulnerable to praying teen boys. There'll be a sense of void in her life. And it won't be long before hormones in tennis shoes, which is another way of saying praying teen boys, when hormones in tennis shoes shows up to whisk her away. And the rest is, is history. In many situations like this, they will be fornicating, and their lives will be changed forever. I have an article linked here at this juncture, and I would encourage you to read it if you uh, would take the time to. And it's called, in, in fact, it's one of the most popular articles on our website. I mean, people have read this one, and it's called Sex Before Marriage Leads to a Trail of Tears. And it gets into, it unpacks what that problem is, how you arrive to it, and and what it causes, and how to get out of it. Like most of my articles, there is a put off, renew the mind, put on. And so I've been, I identify that in that article. This is the problem, what you want to put off. This is how you renew your mind, and this is what you put on. And I would encourage you to read that article, because premarital sex is one of the biggest problems in our culture. And when it goes into marriage, it can cause a lot of problems. Dad... I cannot emphasize enough 
the importance of your role in your child's life. If you blow this leadership opportunity, you will set your girl up or your boy up for a lifetime of potential failure. You will feed their pre-existing Adamic idolatry. And even if God regenerates them, they may spend years overcoming this deficit that you put in them. And in this instance, I am speaking from experience because I had to learn these things the hard way. But I've also counseled thousands of people who struggle similarly as they're looking for affection and affirmation and significance and whatever words you want to attach to it. But my point here is for dads to understand that boys and girls are different. They go through a transitional window. Their cravings are different. And you become an imitation of God the Father by helping them to grow in maturity through this time. Now, mom, your role in your child's life, it never ends. You know that. You'll always be their mom and and they will always be your sons and daughters. But you must understand that your role toward them and how it operates in their lives. You are not the father, and you can never do what a father should do. There are reasons for the two genders and their unique roles, whether boys or girls or dads or moms. Ultimately, our children must come to God where they will find fulfilling affirmation. God fully accepts you fully affirms you through Christ alone. But earthly fathers are the only connection through which the children perceive and experience God as a father. And even when parents fail, and this is where I'll go back to where I was talking about God's grace at the beginning of this podcast, and this is where I don't want you to beat you up, beat yourself up, because a lot of people are listening to this thinking, well, I have blown it. You have to know God's grace is greater, and I would be an illustration of that. What I've just described to you is how things are supposed to be, but it is not how it usually turns out for many parents and for children. For various reasons, some dads do not do well on the job. Now, in such instances, it is on the local church to step up alongside the mothers and their children to provide what fathers did not. There are fatherly roles within the local church, and they are they are there. There are many men. There are many youth ministries that can come alongside a young boy or a young girl in a mentoring context as appropriate. A parent's local church could be God's favor for a hurting child or a struggling parent. My counsel to you is to reach out to your local body, appealing to them to come alongside you. The title of this podcast is Speaking to the Practical Role of Fathers with Children. I didn't say this earlier, but there's an infographic embedded here that will help explain more. I also have a 10-minute video that will walk through this, too. And then, of course, there are all of these articles throughout this one. And so you have the equivalent of a book sitting before you if you want to take advantage of it. And then, as always, we have our free community forums on our website. I would appeal to you to jump on those forums and ask Ask the questions that you need to ask so that we can serve you. Here's a couple of them that may help as you get started, as you continue to think about this. Number one, how do you need to change? 
after listening to this podcast, in what specific ways do you need to change? Maybe if you are a journaler that you can journal it out, write it out. Everybody's not given to that, and so don't force yourself to do it if that's not your style. I'm a writer, but everybody's not. But you can talk to somebody. And so as you think about this podcast, the question is, how do you need to change? And so will you talk to someone? Will you talk to a friend about this? And you guys work together, or you gals work together as you go through this. Number two, are you tempted to struggle with regret or fear or anger because your marriage is not what it should be for your children. This is a very real thing. And I know specifically there's a lot of moms that are listening to this, and and some of them can go into regret, and dads can too. But as they think about the state of their marriage and the impact that it has on their children, they can also uh, go into fear And then they can also react in anger. And so the question is, are you tempted to struggle with regret, fear, or anger because your marriage is not what it should be for your children? Now, in that case, I have a similar appeal to you that you will seek help, that you'd find help from someone within your local church, someone who is competent, who can walk with you. Now we would be able we'd be glad to do that and we're able to do that. We have a team of folks and and that's what we're here for among other things and if we can serve you that way then it's on you to to reach out to us. You'll need to get your free username and your password and once you get set up those are safety protocols. We do have high-end safety on our website and so we create that hurdle uh, because we don't want the bots and the spammers Uh, associating with us. And so once you do that, then you can come to our ministry and then you can ask whatever question you like. Maybe it's about something else, or maybe it's about this article, which is titled Speaking to the Practical Role of Fathers with Children. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.